Now, you may have heard over the last 24 hours that BC Hydro uh, wants to charge you an additional $0.05 cents per kilowatt hour for electricity during on-peak periods. And what does that mean? Well, when you use electricity from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., their, their peak hours, they also want to give you a $0.05 cent discount uh, if you use electricity from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. So essentially, you, uh, you set the dishwasher up for 11 p.m. or charge your electric vehicle at that time. Uh, because there is less demand at that uh, particular time. Now, this isn't the first time, this is not the first jurisdiction this is occurring, and of course, Ontario uh, currently offers off-peak rates as well. Now, a lot of this started back, uh, well, good 15 years ago. Um, about 1.9 million electricity meters, or called smart meters, were um, were installed in BC homes throughout our province. Uh, it's not the only jurisdiction. In fact, uh, it's just one of many where they've uh, installed these um, you the smart meters. It's the, the the installation began in the early uh, aughts and it continues. In fact, about two thirds of electricity meters across the U.S. are now smart meters. And what those smart meters can do is they can reduce the cost of meter reading because they don't have to send somebody to your house. But those smart meters can actually send back information from your home directly to the utility, so they know how much usage or how much data you're using, how much power you're using, which allows them to, of course control and get a sense of what the what uh, the, the the power usage is in your community and in our province as well but the fact that they're rolling out potential discounts and charging you more during peak and off-peak hours is a very interesting conversation joining me now to talk a little bit about bc hydro's time of use rate proposal is keith baldry global bc's legislative bureau chief hi keith hey jazz I'm sorry for the lengthy introduction, but I think you have to put some context to this. First of all, your thoughts on this proposal. I know they said it's voluntary, but when I heard that, I go, well, this is just a start. I think we're heading into that moment where you're finally, it's going to become mandatory one day, but this is how you started started out. Yeah, I think there was a sense of inevitability attached to this. Back when smart readers were first introduced, this was raised by some who thought, aha, this is all about time of use. And Hydro and the government of the day demand, uh, denied that vociferously at the time, but never really, I don't think, um, abandoned the idea. And I don't think a lot of people believed them that it was never going to happen. So there's an application in front of the BC Utilities Commission, but this fits within the overall... Um, scheme of things is something I've been tracking for some time, and that is this real shift. Well, first of all, a real gr- a growth in demand for electricity and a shift in our in government policy to really ramp up electrification in BC. It's a big part of weaning us off fossil fuels to go to a cleaner fuel, which is hydroelectricity, which we have an abundance of. We don't have an overcapacity, though, and that's, that's what we'll be talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, the need now is more electric vehicles come online uh, and electricity becomes more and more in demand and therefore more precious. Look for hydro to be even more creative when it comes to the use, the development and, and um, uh, production of electricity and its use and its price. Now, we're building a massive dam called Site C. Um, anybody who follows the news would have heard about that over the last few years. Lots of conversations about it being over budget, over cost, but certainly uh, it'll provide significant more power to the province and to its citizens. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, what will it mean once Site C comes on? I think it's 2025 when it does. What will it mean overall in regards to our, uh, our ability to create electricity and the consumption and where we're headed? 
Well, it's going to create 5,100 5, gigawatt hours, so that's a, a fair amount, but uh, that's enough to power 1.7 million electric vehicles, just for example. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, the BC government's policy as part of its overall climate plan is 90% of all vehicles sold by the year 2030 have to be electric vehicles. Uh, that's going to require a lot of electricity. The other uh, aspect of this, of course, it's not just about vehicles. The LNG terminals in the northwest part of the province, just the LNG Canada and any others up there, are going to uh, use a tremendous amount of, first, natural gas when they produce, until, until Hydro builds a transmission line out there, which they've been instructed to do. That electricity is going to be enormous. Rick McCandless, the former Assistant Deputy Minister in Government, who has intervener status at the Utilities Commission, so he has a, a layer of expertise, he estimates that at least two or three, if not four more uh, equivalent of Site C dams in terms of that type of electrical production is required to, to electrify the LNG plants and other growing demands of electricity in the province. So hydro counters that we're, we're doing a lot of conservation and, and measures and such, and we're you know only about a fifth of the expected uh, uh, growth is going to be with new supply. That's just an estimate, but uh, they, they can get there with three quarters of it by efficiency and conservation. Where have you heard that before, though? Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is we need more electricity, and Site C is just one of it, and as there's a growing demand for electric vehicles, look for hydro to get very creative when it comes to achieving those efficiency and conservation goals, and I think the first step we saw is with this application in front of the Utilities Commission to have this uh, this change in pricing, depending on what time you use it. I don't want to focus too much time on LNG, but having worked for the industry, I can tell you uh, the LNG Canada site that's being built now, that's running on natural gas. The ancillary power, secondary powers, is electric. But if we were to build a plant the same size running on electric, you take two big plants built, and they would probably suck up all the energy from Site C, yep. uh, if you're lucky. So, and, and then that doesn't even include electric vehicles and just our growing population as well. So you raise a very uh, a very good point um, point there, Keith. Um you know, when I look at the fact that I'm going to save a bit bit of money if I don't if I use less power during prime hours and then uh, maybe uh, you know put, turn the dishwasher on at 10 o'clock at night, it sounds wonderful. It's kind of like getting a Netflix subscription, though. You know, <laughs> it, when you first signed out, it was nine dollars, and now you're paying 18. You go, what happened? It just they slowly inch up and inch up. I just cannot believe that with so many smart meters already installed in this province, that this is going to be the end. It's oh, it's voluntary. It's going to become mandatory eventually. One would assume, and it's and I would assume other jurisdictions because we. It's a public utility. We own BC Hydro. Uh, that we've been fortunate so far. I think we pay the fifth lowest rates in, in North America. But at the end of the day, I can't believe that we are inevitably going to be paying more. If you want to use power between four and nine, you're going to pay more, and you're just going to have to live with it. Yes, and it's going to apply not just to your household heating bill. It's going to apply to your electric vehicle. I think there's going to be creative phase structures associated with that as well. I think we're at the very beginning of something, which is a rapid and significant increase of the use of electricity in all aspects of the economy and society. And that means producing a lot more, but also becoming much more efficient and using it wisely. Uh, but the cost associated with it is not going to go down. It's just going to be up because it's going to be so much part of our basically societal fabric. Uh, let's go to Dave in Vancouver. Hi, Dave. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing very well. What are your thoughts on this issue? So I'm a civil engineer. Mm-hmm. I work for Site C. Yep. So I work for the province directly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we've had many, many meetings. I no longer work for them, but a good friend of mine who's brought over from Iran or came over from Iran as a civil engineer, he's now working for them, and we get together quite a bit, and he's told me quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So 
it's going to run up to $16 billion, not the 8 to 12 that was promised initially or $8 billion that was promised initially. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's been in the so, paper, yep. Okay, and then it's also, it's also um, not going to be done by 2025. 2027, most likely at the earliest. And some of the work is not getting done correctly, right? And um, also, he, we, we discussed the fact that in order to electrify um, that many vehicles in the province, our, our, not just our generating capacity, but our infrastructure capacity isn't there. It will take $15 billion to electrify downtown Vancouver, where they expect you know, the most electric vehicles to be. Um, which is what we discussed. Dave, thank you for your call. Appreciate it. I get your point. I, I mean, Dave, there raises some... Well, we knew, we knew the budget has been $16 billion yeah. for some time. I mean, that, that hasn't changed. Interesting, I'm not sure his figures are right, but he raises a good point about the electricity that's required in downtown uh, Vancouver. The charging station, the infrastructure is a real challenge um, to, to electrify a lot of, uh, a lot of vehicles. Not a lot of vehicles um, are in downtown Vancouver in the Yaletown condos. I mean, there's a lot of cars parked down there. But the problem there, Keith, also, as is, 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 uh, Dave said and you're saying, is how do you retrofit older buildings, older condos yep. that are 20, 30 years old? It's, it's, it's not it's cheap. It's a real challenge. It's a real challenge. And also, uh, you know, we talk about downtown Vancouver. It may be the largest or biggest uh, commuter point for, um, for, con- uh, for commuters right now. The second biggest, I do believe, is UBC in the morning. But m- mostly... Uh, when you when you when you travel in this province, the majority of commuters go suburb to suburb, not suburb to downtown. So it's you know we can talk about downtown Vancouver, but when you're adding 1,500 new residents in Surrey, Surrey's going to need a lot Surrey, of electrification as well, right? Surrey's at the heart of everything right now. Whether it's a lack of police resources or double decker schools, yeah, I mean that's, that's also going to be ground zero of EV use and challenges. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to uh, speaking of Surrey. Let's go to Karen in Surrey. Hi, Karen. Hi there. I just wanted to share with you. So Keith will know this. There's interruptible customers with LNG, so there's incentives there for industrial and commercial customers not to use prime time with their resources. So the same thing's happening with electricity. And I remember when everybody had a had an issue with the smart meters, oh, it's mm-hmm. going to impact their brain and everything else. But, you know, reality is, is we're going there. I have a friend in California who has a smart meter, and he actually installed solar panels. He was actually getting a rebate every month, but now the government in California has realized they're losing money, so now they're taxing him on that rebate. So every they're going to get you one way or another, but I I agree with it. We have to be smart about our electricity, but to for the 2030 timeline on electrical vehicles, electric vehicles, I think that's absurd. It's Absolutely that, that's, ridiculous. That's what government and bureaucrats, politician bureaucrats call aspirational. We're, we're at 16% of all new sales in BC are, uh, with current hydrostats, are electric. Mm-hmm. So that's going from 16 to 90 in six years. Yeah, ain't going to happen. But yeah, it's aspirational. But I think every family, anybody purchasing a vehicle is at least having that conversation well, at the dinner table, all, right? Pretty well, all climate policies are aspirational when you think about it. We're not meeting any of these targets that are set right around the world. People are missing targets, but they are changing behavior. Uh, and that is the long-term goal, to change enough behavior and become more efficient to reduce the use of fossil fuels and to be more creative in our use of electricity. Absolutely. Let's go to Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Hi, good afternoon, Jazz. Hey, you know, as for the primetime pricing, I guess you can call it. No, I don't agree with that at all. Not one, not at all. Why? That's just a sneaky. It's a money grab. It's just a plain money grab. You know, they brag about their electric infrastructure. The fact is, 
you're going to have to build five or six more Site C dams. And no one talks about, Jazz, the environmental impact that it's having on the land. For all these batteries that have to be mined, all the, all the minerals, mm-hmm. sorry, and metals that have to be built, you know, created and, and uh, refined, all that to build these batteries. No one talks about how, what that's going to do to the environment. When we have fossil fuels, fossil fuel as in natural gas, as, as in oil, that is the best way to go. And it's, it is called, you know what it's called, Jazz? It's called a pipeline, pipelines, actually. That would be the simplest and most cost-effective way. And as for 2030, Jazz, having all vehicles electrified, yeah. uh, I don't know. They're living in a fantasy land, you know. It's, it's a dream world this government is in. Rob, thanks for So remember, when we talk about vehicles, it's not all vehicles. It's new vehicles, new yeah. vehicles that are purchased, and not also, used. And also, like I said, having worked for the LNG industry, for natural gas industry, the energy transition, I think, to, for, for, for oil to surpass coal, it took 75 years. Yeah, 75 and, to 100 years. Yeah, to go from wood to coal, coal to oil. Yeah, uh, is usually a seventy-five to hundred-year break. Now, so, technology can shorten that, but exactly. I don't think significantly. But you know, we, we may be talking about electricity right now. Other areas are talking about uh, small nuclear plants. Other places are talking hydrogen. You know, what we're talking about today may change twenty years from now. But exactly. I think the trend lines are all going to say we have to make that transition. We just don't know what the route's going to be, but we can't just stand still. And either. technological fine. change is speeding up change like never before. But whether we can meet those targets, no one really knows. Absolutely, Keith. Thank you so much. Right. Great topic. You too.